Listeners are advised that the following episode may contain names and voices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that have passed away. Noise they make is silence, like, that's what they make. A slimy fat worm with a shell. What do you think of when it comes to snails? Maybe the squelch underfoot when you accidentally trod on one? Or maybe you picture them in your garden or letterbox, munching on important letters. But did you know most of the common snails that you see around cities or towns are actually introduced species? And they don't reflect the extraordinary types of snails that are native to this continent? Up until recently, the most I knew about snails was what I'd learned as a kid playing in the backyard. Scientists Frank Kohler and Norm McKenzie, on the other hand, are what some would call gastropod experts. So these Kimberley Islands and also some of the coastal areas of the mainland are actually extraordinary in that in very small spaces you may find hundreds if not thousands of these snails, specifically on these islands. It's the Kamenids, the bigger land snails we're talking about here. And so you get big globular ones and small globular ones. You get flat ones, not globular, big and small. You get minute ones. And each of those is effectively a different genera. We're talking about different groups of species. That is, in evolutionary terms, they're more different. So while you may have hundreds or thousands of specimens in an area maybe of a, a thousand square meters, that's the only place in the world where you will ever find them. So they are rare in that they only occur in, in very, very restricted places. The islands on that coast are a microcosm of the adjacent mainland. So the rugged sandstone country, the massive volcanic scree slopes, the dolerites, the beaches, the mangrove forests, all of those mosaics in landscape are represented to a greater or less extent on the islands. Frank and Norm are talking about Woonabulgumbra country in the northern Kimberley, where some select rainforest patches and a group of islands have become a haven for land snails, and it's got the science world extremely excited. But this is more than a story about snails. It's also a story of protection and how traditional owners are keeping their country healthy. This is Big Sky Country, a podcast by Bush Heritage Australia. My name is Eliza Herbert, and today we're going to hear about how Ulu Rangers are managing and protecting Warrnambool Gumbra Country and the happy outcome a bounty of slimy, slithering friends. This story with the snails begins back in the late 80s, in David Bowie's era, when a group of traditional owners and scientists set out to survey biodiversity in the Kimberley, including patches of rainforest known as Wooloo on Woonabulgumbra country. What they found was a group of gastropods, highly endemic land snails from the Kamanidae family that have stood the test of time. They collected over 29,000 snail specimens, representing 115 species, a hundred of which had never been found before. Two decades later, in Beyoncé's era, another group of traditional owners and scientists set out again. This time, they voyaged to 22 of the islands off the coast in a series of six surveying expeditions. 
Ungu Rangers Jeremy Cohen and Desmond Williams were among the group who visited the islands between 2006 and 2010. Oh, a few years ago, uh, before we started our ranger program, I, we went on a, a snail trip to Parihaba, then Wago Wago, Eclipse. We got a few live snails and, yeah, a few dead ones uh, sampled from each different area. The island could look um, dry and all that, but amongst them shades and all that, it's all moist, you know? Moist, you know, it's all like cool area where there's snails hang, hang out underneath those leaves or underneath those rocks, you know? And when we move those rocks with our hands, we can we could see um, snails, you know? Ungu rangers are employed by the Wunnabul Gumbara Aboriginal Corporation to care for their country, as guided by the Healthy Country Plan, which we'll touch on more later. Wunnabul Gumbara country makes up 2.5 million hectares of land and saltwater in the North Kimberley region of Australia. It is a beautiful and remote biodiversity hotspot of white sandy beaches, rocky escarpments and rugged gorges. Yeah, I guess the idea is that the larger islands hold more um, biodiversity, more animals and, and important plants. There'd been some earlier work done on snails as part of the um, Kimberley Rainforest um, Survey. So they'd already identified a whole lot of endemic snails uh, on the mainland in particular in rainforest patches and, and on islands too. So scientists already understood the diversity and the significance of snails but knew that there was a lot more to discover. Tom Vigilante is the Wunnabul Gumbara Healthy Country Manager and was present during these surveys with Jeremy and Desmond. It was quite a you know, challenging field work because you had to go and camp out with very minimal equipment uh, for you know, five days or so on an island and um, um, everything had to be carried on the helicopter so there was you know, just a bare minimum of water and food and uh, tents. I even those leaves would just move it, move it around with a, with a with stick or something, you know, stick. Move those, remove those leaves and then we can, you know, we find snails. And a lot of these young people hadn't been to some of those islands before so they knew about them through their old people but they hadn't uh, been there themselves. So that was, uh, you know, an opportunity for them to see the country, but it was also uh, probably quite daunting for them as well. You know, there's a lot of islands out there. My country is so much to me. Like, we go working out on country, you know, it's, you know, good being out in bush, like learn more cultural stuff and all that. During their expeditions, traditional owners and scientists identified at least 50 more snail species. This is what got scientists referring to this part of the world as the Galapagos of the Kimberley. Yeah, yeah. Different, different snails, they, you know, they, they get so excited about it. Yeah, well, most people don't think about snails, you know, when they think of the, the Kimberley and the, you know, the, the biological values of the Kimberley. They think of all the iconic animals and, and, and plants. It's, um, you know, it's turned out that the, the Kimberley is the centre of diversity for this family of snails in Australia. And some islands have you know, their own species or multiple species endemic to them. The, the Galapagos Islands are, are well known around the world um, as uh, where Charles Darwin came up with some of his ideas around speciation. And something similar has happened in the Kimberley with these islands and, and also the rainforests, which are, are, are basically islands of vegetation surrounded by savannah. And that's where these snails have been able to, to speciate to such diversity. The creation of a new plant or animal species is thanks to speciation. 
There are multiple types of speciation, but in essence, it refers to the lengthy process in which a species develops a set of unique characteristics to define itself as a flash brand new species. Land snails have often been identified based on their shell character. So the shape of the shell, the colour, the size, and so on. These species were trickier to single out because they had never been seen before. And so scientists were faced with the conundrum of identifying and naming a large amount of different looking shells. So it's actually, um, it was a daunting task trying to understand how many species I was dealing with just by looking at them. So we are using scientific methods to try to get a more objective idea of how many species we are looking at. So one way of doing this is, for instance, using DNA-based analyses, which can give you insights into the relationships of the animals that you study. We also use statistic methods, trying to understand where the variation within species ends and where the variation between species begins by using measurements of shells, for instance. And then a very important aspect also is the reproductive anatomy in land snails. So we are dissecting the body of the snail and we are looking at their reproductive organs. I bet that's not what you're expecting to hear. Or that most land snails are hermaphrodites, meaning they're both male and female. They have male and female organs and can function and act as males and females simultaneously. And what we found is that in particular, the anatomy of their penises or the the male organs is highly specific for each species and very informative and helpful to distinguish species from one another. The shell of a snail is filled with the complete body, which contains, you know, muscle, the foot muscles to move a nervous system, reproductive and digestive organs. But the reproductive organs take up quite a large part of the... And, and so it just shows that reproduction is, of course, uh, one of the most important undertakings of uh, living beings. And it's... Yeah, so they probably represent a third of the body mass of a, of a snail is just reproductive organs. And the mechanism that they have evolved to protect their genetic adaptations, their morphological you know, anatomical adaptations, is the reproductive organs don't fit your savannah counterpart. So it's like a key in a lock. It's, it's a very overt and rather interesting way of maintaining your adaptive integrity so you're still efficient as an operator within the community of other land snails that you live amongst and and partition resources with. So everyone has their little niche. You go a kilometre or so and you'll find yourself in a rainforest patch and the assemblage of commanded land snails looks quite different. The globular ones are a little bit smaller, the surfaces are accessible to at least one of them. You go to the next hill, the shape's a little bit different. So this specific adaptation as a species to fit within their community is a little bit different. It's a hands-on, very specific example of evolution in operation. 
going to the Kimberley Islands uh, just blew my mind because there was just so much more. Like all these snails, for instance, and all these trees and plants and lizards and, and snakes and insects that I was surrounded with, um, they were just of a completely different magnitude to my lived experience as a European. And I think we often talk about biodiversity um, hotspots like rainforests in the Amazon or in, in, in Eastern Australia. But to actually see it with your own eyes and experience it with your own senses when standing in an actual biodiversity hotspot is something very special. Like if you find the snails in the islands, that's letting you know around the island area it's, it is still healthy around that area, you know. If you see snails and they're looking real healthy, well, you're going to know that around the island area, it's all yeah. looking real healthy there too. Around the same time that this Kimberley Island survey was, was beginning, Warrnambool Gumbra people were getting their native title determined and at the same time they were preparing to dedicate their, their land and their water as an Indigenous protected area and they're establishing their ranger program. In 2011, the Woonabool Gumbara Aboriginal Corporation secured native title over their country. At the same time, they declared the first stage of the Ungu Indigenous Protected Area, or IPA for short, covering 343,700 hectares, and they entered into a 10-year partnership with Bush Heritage Australia. In 2015, the second stage of the IPA was declared, bringing the total area to 759,806 hectares. Now, just a little sidebar. If you're unsure what the difference is between native title and IPAs, there's a bit to it, but here's the gist. Australian law recognises that native title exists where Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have maintained a connection to their land and waters since sovereignty through their traditional laws and customs. But native title rights and interests may have been extinguished or impaired by acts done by government or other parties. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people can apply to have their native title rights recognised under the Native Title Act 1993. An Indigenous Protected Area, or IPA, is an area of land and sea managed by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander groups as protected areas for biodiversity conservation. They are voluntary agreements with the Australian government and, at the time of recording this episode, there are over 80 dedicated IPAs covering over 80 million hectares of land. IPAs in part recognise that traditional owner groups are protecting their cultural values and managing country for conservation. And they also provide some financial opportunity for traditional owners to work and look after their country. As part of that, they prepared this uh, healthy country plan, which is a 10-year plan about how they wanted to look after their country. Bush Heritage was the partner that helped them develop the healthy country plan using the, the planning approach that they'd, they'd been using. And after the plan was developed and there was a kind of a shared vision for where, where things were going, they, they had a, committed to a 10-year partnership and, and that's ongoing. So, yeah, Bush Heritage has been a really valuable partner and, and, and one that's there to, to support Warrnambool Gumbra people to look after country. The Warrnambool Gumbra Healthy Country Plan was the first ever of its kind, which has since gone on to be adopted by other Aboriginal groups in the Kimberley and nationally to guide their work on country. 
Wunnabal Gumbra people wanted to create a plan that told the right story and that was strong for them, that fulfilled their cultural obligations and kept country and all things in it healthy, while also recognising new ways of looking after their land using Western science and technology. A key feature of the plan was to identify targets, which are things that are considered priorities to look after. These include, but are not limited to, the rainforests where some of the snails live, right-way fire, law and culture, and some of their important marine species. Well, like we monitor, monitor dugongs and the corals and, and turtle. We do turtle survey, dugong survey and corals, and corals and all that, yeah. Yeah, like we do a cross-country walk every year round. We just tell by the animals. If the animals are looking more and are real healthy, all we'll know, the country is healthy too, you know. To look after these targets, they also identified threats that Unabul Gumbra people were concerned about, such as visitors not being respectful, climate change, loss of traditional knowledge and lack of land and sea management capacity. Their sea management includes the protection of the islands. Islands are important because they're uh, protected from some of the things that are threats on the mainland, like um, some feral animals and weeds and uh, things like uh, wildfires. They're important refuges, but they still have to be looked after to make sure those um, things don't arrive, cane toads and weeds. And, and we have a lot of uh, tourism on the coast, so people like to visit all these places, but you know, there are risks that um, threats could be introduced if we're not careful or from overseas. Um, from foreign fishing vessels and those sorts of things, or um, just coming in by natural means, you know, birds and, and bats and things that migrate. So yeah, it's very important to keep monitoring and, and looking after these, these places. One of the threats, weeds, are probably familiar to listeners, but can you imagine managing them across hundreds of thousands of hectares? You've got all different weeds. You've got, you got stylo, you've got proper uh, stylo, you've got... Paddy's loosen, you got you got greater grass, you know, and well, the main thing is greater grass, you know, and uh, rosella, you know, rosella, all that. Weed management is one of their massive jobs. Another is right-way fire. Oh, mainly worry us is really fire, you know, fire. Get worried that they might go to the next community or station and, you know, we will ring them up and let them know that, you know, be prepared, make sure they got the equipment ready, let them know the fire is heading towards them or sometimes we just drive over there or just keep them hand, you know, to try to do a fire break and all that. Winnable Gumbra people speak of right-way fire in their healthy country plan as one of the most important tools to look after and keep country healthy. It helps bush foods like fruits and yams to grow, makes new grass for animals to eat and helps prevent large out-of-control fires, which can be a big problem. Fire is medicine for Wunnabulgumbra country and medicine for their people. Like in first thing, first um, starting of the year, we do a early burning before coming to the middle of the season. You'll start to see everything change from the brownness to the greenness. You know, you'll start, you'll start, you know, you'll know then straight away that country is getting healthy, healthy again. And you start to see everything getting green again. You know, and you'll see. Animals and animals will be up and about. Unsurprisingly, wrong way fire, when it gets big and out of control, can also be a threat to our little snail friends. We know of hills where 
a single fire has taken out an entire species in one event. Uh, little limestone hills, strangely enough, in the East Kimberley, up north of Kununurra there. I've walked across a limestone outcrop that's about 400 metres from the nearest next outcrop. They all have an open form of vine thicket on them. And all we could find were dead snails. The work uh, that the rangers are doing is to, uh, to keep monitoring the islands for, for these threats, um, to make sure that, that you know, new threats don't arrive and cause a problem and affect you know, the biodiversity of the islands, whether it's the, the snails or whether it's some of the, the, the small mammals that are under threat on the mainland, like northern quolls or narbalek rock wallabies. Warrnambool Gumbara have an Ungu Monitoring and Evaluation Committee made up of Warrnambool Gumbara directors and scientists and other partners, including Bush Heritage. They continuously evaluate the Healthy Country Plan to see how it's tracking and adapt with the lessons learnt. 2021 represented a massive milestone, 10 years of the plan in action. Warrnambool Gumbara are now developing a new plan that will guide the next 10 years looking after their remarkable country. Around the world, biodiversity is sort of under threat. There's a lot of development everywhere, and I guess this is one part of the world where things are still very intact, um, uh, haven't changed too much in the last uh, couple of hundred years. And the snails are a bit of an indication of the significance of, of the place. These snails are a national treasure because they are testament or testimony to to very interesting uh, evolutionary story behind. Um, and um, they tell us something about the history of that landscapes um, in terms of millions of years of evolution. Where well, the Kimberley basically has escaped all the negative or many of the negative influences that we've seen in other areas of Australia and the world are mostly indigenous people have lived in this landscape for thousands or ten, tens of thousands of years and have, um, I think, um, a much deeper connection to, to that landscape than we Europeans can even imagine. It means everything to me. For me and my the next generation, for the next generation, like being on our country is really good. And we want our kids to be like that, following our footsteps, going out on country. The story of the snails and the islands reiterates the importance of having the right people looking after land. And for me, these kooky gastropods are a reminder of just how wacky and wondrous our natural world can be when biodiversity truly thrives. If you see a snail around in that islands, it's really, really, really healthy, you know? Yeah, all healthy, all good. Big Sky Country is a podcast by Bush Heritage Australia, a leading not-for-profit conservation organisation protecting ecosystems and wildlife across the continent. We acknowledge the traditional owners on which this episode was produced and recorded and recognise and respect their enduring relationship with their lands and waters. We pay our respects to elders past and present and any traditional owners who have listened today. 
A special thanks to Woonabool Gumbara Aboriginal Corporation for over 10 years of partnership and for helping us share this story. We'd also like to thank and acknowledge the late Woonabool Gumbara traditional owner, Geoffrey Mangalamara, who made prominent contributions to the surveys conducted in the late 80s. To read more about our partnership with Woonabool Gumbara people, visit the link in the show notes or sign up to our newsletter to get the news straight to your inbox. Thanks to Ungu Rangers, Jeremy Collin and Desmond Williams. Thanks to our science experts, Frank Kohler and Norm McKenzie. To our healthy country manager, Tom Vigilante. And to Victoria Laurie and Kate Sutton for recording some of these interviews. Thanks to the bushy kids, Miller, Casper and Freya for their cute snail facts. And thanks to Woonable Gumbra people for protecting their country and keeping it strong. This episode was produced by B. Stevens and myself, Eliza Herbert. Theme music is Invertebrate City by the Orb Weavers. And the audio was mixed and mastered by Mitch Ansel. Do you know uh, with snails they actually have their eyeballs on a stick and with those eyeballs they can crawl into their body. Something cool about snails is that they leave a trail wherever they go.